Proactive Athletes is the premier place that empowers student athletes to overcome the challenges of college sports recruitment. Their unparalleled expertise and influential network will guide you towards realizing your fullest potential. At Proactive Athletes, they understand that each student athlete is unique, facing their own set of obstacles. That's why their dedicated team takes the time to comprehend your individual needs, providing a comprehensive hands-on approach tailored to your success. With their personalized attention and unwavering support, they ensure your satisfaction every step of the way. Through their vast network, they have successfully connected with over 2.3 million coaches, giving your child's profile the exposure it deserves. In fact, their student-athletes' profiles have been viewed by an astounding 716,000 coaches, solidifying their reputation as the go-to platform for recruitment. What sets them apart is their data-driven approach, allowing them to make informed decisions that result in better outcomes for their student-athletes. By harnessing the power of data, they maximize your child's chances of success as they embark on the next chapter of their athletic journey. Join the ranks of proactive athletes and unlock your true potential. Let them amplify your talent, connect you with coaches that want you but may not have known about you, and pave the way for your future success. Together, they will defy the odds and ensure that your dreams become a reality. Don't wait any longer. Get proactive in your child's recruitment process today by visiting proactiveathletes.com. And make sure you use Shark Effect 10 for 10% off. You know, I, I think a lot of conflict that we see out here is, you know, people have watched that conflict. It's been modeled for them. Uh, and, you know, just depending on, you know, your circumstances and where you've grown up, that may be the only thing that you know. Lost again, looking right, through. It's intercepted. Picked up by Alex Molden. Welcome to the Shark Effect Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Molden. I'm an NFL veteran of eight years, and now I'm an author, leadership and personal development coach, and international speaker. In this podcast, you will learn strategies to get unstuck in life and find your influence. You will hear inspirational and value-packed stories from former and current elite-level athletes, successful entrepreneurs, and experts in the field of personal development. My mission is to help former elite-level athletes find their identity and utilize their influence to create a life of impact. So welcome to the Shark Effect. Once again, I'm your host, Alex Molden. Uh, I'm excited. I got two brothers here that um, they they wrote in a book. I said wrote. In? They've written a book and <laughs> they're a, a father son. And, it, and they speak on stages. They, they speak on stages throughout the globe. And so I'm very happy. I'm very blessed to, to have these these gentlemen on. Um, Brian Baker and Avery Baker. Thank you so much for being guests on the Shark Effect. Thank you. Thank you, Alex. Yeah. This is uh, this is exciting. I'm looking forward to this. Absolutely. Yeah, Thank yeah. You, brother, appreciate you having me. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So I want to jump right in. Man, you guys wrote a book. It's called Love Wins, Five Keys to Strengthening Your Relationships. What foundations does this book, you know, we talk about five keys to strengthen relationships. Can you share some of those keys with us today? It doesn't have to be all of them, but I want to be able to kind of drill down on some of the some of the keys. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll jump in first, uh, Alex. You know, we when we sat down to um, write this book, one of the things that we wanted to do was to provide a roadmap uh, for people in their relationships and their family relationships. But, you know, the principles are the same that you can 
You can use it in your workplace relationships, your relationships with the, you know, your friends, extended family, your relationships, period, right? Avery likes to say relationships are life. And so when we sat down uh, to write this book, we just started chopping up about, well, what are the things that are that made our relationship, you know, thrive through the years? And quite frankly, what are the things that helped our relationship survive, you know, through the trials and tribulations that that all families have, that fathers and, and sons or fathers and daughters or mothers and sons and daughters have? And so, you know, we started out... Um, talking about first and foremost, the ability to have uh, open conversations. And mm. uh, when my wife was pregnant with Avery, you know, nobody gets this this manual, right? When you're bringing your kid home from the hospital, nobody just says, okay, congratulations, here's this manual, build this kid. And so my wife and I just, you know, had multiple conversations about what kind of parents we wanted to be. And the thing that we just kept coming back to was we wanted to be honest parents. Mm. And the, the ability to be honest started with uh, open conversations, which meant that, you know, our boys could come and talk to us about anything and everything. It didn't mean that they had to. It just meant that we wanted to make sure that they could. We wanted to create, you know, a culture that allowed them to do that, that fostered some openness and some unity. So that's the first key that we started with in the book because it's, we just felt that it was foundational. So with that, with that being said, Abe, I'll, I'll turn it over to you, man. You add anything you'd like. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so the second key is all about building trust. And when we talk about trust, you know, one of the, the big things uh, with trust is that it takes a long time to build, but just a moment to, to break. And mm. so in the book, we talk about how can we be more intentional about trust makers and then avoid trust breakers, what we lay out in the book. So that's the second key. The, the third key is setting expectations. And uh, when we speak on stages, I tell audiences all the time that setting expectations had the most profound impact on me. Um, and that's because there were always expectations from my parents on what we did, right? And, and eventually what that did for me is it allowed me to set high expectations of myself. Um, I started to develop an achievement drive. And so uh, one of the unique parts about this book is that it's written from a parent and child perspective. So there's mm. aspects of the book that are written from my perspective, and there's aspects that are written from my dad's perspective. And we have stories as well that we share, you know, from each perspective. And so that's what really uh, is, is cool about, about the book and what's cool about the process of writing the book, right? Um, and so that's third key set of expectations. Fourth key, Pops, you actually you want to take it home with the fourth yeah, and quickly on the, the fourth key, uh, Alex, we talked about conflict resolution and conflict management. You know, sometimes we we, we get into these conflicts with, 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 with family and, you know, you come to what you believe is the resolution is resolved. But in reality, you know, you still have to manage that conflict. Not all parties are going to be happy, you know, with the results of the resolution. So, you know, it, we tell in the book, uh, the, the chapter uh, talks about the contract. And when A.B. was uh, uh, going into his, his freshman year of college, you know, we had the biggest fight in our lives that we had ever had with each other because he was staying at home his freshman year of college and going to the local university about five miles away from, from the crib. And he didn't want to do that, right? And we were just kind of, and he was 17. He wasn't going to be 18 for like, six months after he graduated. So we just kind of feel like it was it was a good 
good place for him to be for the first year. Then he could do whatever he wanted after that. There were no there were no uh, guardrails after that. And so we just had this big blow up in the house. So I, I gave him two choices to sign a contract. He had to sign a contract if he stayed at the house, and he had he had to sign a contract if he left the house because my wife and I were still financially helping him out. So. It's a really interesting story. It's a fun story in the book. So we, we talk about conflict resolution. And then the last the last key, Alex, which is candidly, you know, in retrospect, uh, I think if I could do anything different with the book when we wrote it, is I would flip it around and make the last key the first key. And that's really being socially and emotionally intelligent. And, you know, that was a that is a big part of our lives, a big part of uh, of, of my life, of my wife's life. And and our family. And so, you know, the ability to be aware of our emotions and the emotions of other people in that moment, and then to use that information to manage our actions and to manage our relationships. That's the definition of social and emotional intelligence. And I think that really kind of sums up um, relationships, right? It really is about managing your actions and managing your relationships, not managing other people, but managing the relationships that you have uh, in front of you. And so, you know, when we speak a big, a big part of what we do in our workshops and in our keynote addresses, it's all about self-awareness. It's all about, you know, having an awareness of other people. It's about having, you know, some self-management. It's about having, again, the ability to manage your relationships, which are the four pillars of social and emotional intelligence. But in a nutshell, you know, that's the book. And it's done in a way where it's an easy read, uh, it's a quick read. You know, we know that people's attention spans these days were pretty short. And so we intentionally did that, man. And it's gotten um, some really, really um, good traction. And people really enjoy enjoy the book. Tell us that all the time. Man, I love it because it's it's talking about foundational principles. So when it's foundational, you can apply this at home. You know, when you're raising your children and I'm listening to you, I said, well, shit, you can apply this. In, at work as well. And so, you know, when you talk about, I'm going to kind of work backwards, but uh, emotional intelligence, like, can you define that? And then when does that, when does that come into harm's way? Because when you talk about emotions, right, emotions, most people make emotional decisions when they don't really take the time to think about the ramifications of what it would do for yeah. you or, or, or others, can you talk a little bit more about that? Like, what's that? What's that, mm. that definition of it? Yeah, yeah, that you know that that's a that's a very good point. You know, one of the competencies of social and emotional intelligence is is behavioral self control. And so, when I hear you say, you know, what you just said, there's that's that's the difference between responding to a situation and reacting to a situation, right? When we react to something, it's obviously very reflect, you know, reflexive. And you're just, you, you just, you know, you, something happens and then you, know, you pop off, right? That's, that's somebody cuts you off in traffic and you're just like, yo, really? <laughs> Where, whereas if we respond to something, we're taking a little bit of time to think about what it is that we're going to do next. And that's a, that's a big part of it. From a, from a definition perspective, again, it really is about, um, you know, being aware of your emotions and the emotions of other people. Uh, in a, in that moment, and and that essentially is a nutshell of social emotional intelligence. I always tell um, a story about uh, Avery about five years ago. He borrowed my car, man. Left the crib five minutes later. He calls me, man. He totaled my car. Oh, and had I not been on this journey of 
of uh, where, <laughs> right? Two minutes away from having the car paid off, man. And I, I get that phone call, and you know, I knew, I knew just in his voice there was a problem, man. But oh, I told him, fortunately, man, I've been on this journey, and I didn't pop off on him like I would have ten years ago. <laughs> oh man. That's something. That's definitely one of the low points in my life for sure. <laughs> it was it was hard making that phone call to tell Pops, you know, I was actually on my way to pick up my mom from work and my car was in the shop. So I was just borrowing his car. And at the time I lived with him. And oh man, that was tough. That was tough. <laughs> oh wow. Yeah. What did you so what did you say? I took a picture um, and, you know, I, I, I basically, I, at this point, I pulled off to the side of the road with the car that I had hit in front of me. Unfortunately, that car hit a car in front of it. Um, but the crazy thing is that you, if you saw the damage on their car, it didn't nearly look as bad as the damage on my father's car. So that was an unfortunate uh, conclusion to that to that uh, occurrence, and like like my dad said, honestly, when I told him, I I called him and I said, "Hey, I can tell you a speaker how you talking. You talking about <laughs> conclusion? The man, what's this?" <laughs> I called him and I said, "Hey, man, I got into an accident." He asked me, "Yo, are you okay? Is everyone else okay?" I'm like. Yeah, everyone's good. He's like, okay, what's the damage? Was it your fault? I'm like, yeah. You know, he's asking all these questions. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. So then I took a picture and he saw the picture. And man, I mean, I felt I felt his his heart drop into his belly through the phone. He's the uh, thing he didn't say, well, did you share this pop? You were three car payments away from paying off that car. Two. 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 <laughs> Oh boy! <laughs> oh my goodness! Uh. So the story, the story. Let me just say this, Alex. The story, you know, is an illustration, really, of you know, aware of your emotions and somebody else in that moment, right? Because when he called me, you know, it, it, initially I was just kind of like, you know, pissed, right? I'm like, okay, really, dude? Like, are, are we serious right now? But then the reality of it was is that hearing his voice, and you're a father. You know when you hear your child's voice, they're talking to you. They really don't want to be having this conversation with you because they know that it's it 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 may really kind of you know set off a chain of events that they don't want to necessarily be dealing with. And I heard his voice, and I'm like, my emotions at that time were you know all over the place. But at the end of the day, I knew he felt bad, and I knew you know look that's why they call them accidents, right? We have insurance; nobody else was hurt. And so it's just an example of being being in touch with your emotions, uh, you know, in, in the moment and at times, man. And, you know, it, it's a, it takes a long time to work on your self-awareness uh, to get to that point. And fortunately, I have been on that journey, like I said, for about 10 years uh, at that point in time. It, it helped me throughout my, my uh, career in corporate America when I was in corporate America. It really just helped me deal with situations um, much better than than I had, you know, early in my life. Mm. So let me ask you, like, 
So we talk about that emotion, but what does it, how can you um, explain it? Maybe you got a story of when instead of that emotion that was down here, what was there any uh, emotional time when it was way up here? Like when it was happy and like, do we still have to follow the same rules when, when, you know, we knock it out the park? Avery, you want to, you want to touch on it, anything regarding the, the highs on this journey that we've been on for four years since we started working together? Like, has it always been, has it always been great? Has it all been roses? Uh, I think your question, the first question you asked is interesting when you're talking about how do we differentiate high emotional reactions and responses, whether we classify them as negative or positive. And it's, it's a situation by situation basis. Um, and that's part of being emotionally intelligent. One of the uh, competencies of emotional intelligence is situational awareness, right? And so knowing when a reaction is needed versus a response. Um, you know, people will say, okay, well, if we're in, you know, a dangerous situation, obviously we should listen to that emotion because that's driving a reaction to lead us out of place, right? But but in, a, in, a, in a, another situation, like my dad was talking about, he was more thoughtful with that. In another situation where we're joyous, if we just saw our team win the Super Bowl, you know, I might scream. And that's okay because that's the emotion that it drove out of me, right? Like so, so I, you know, I think it's 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 based on situations. And as far as your second question, you know, has it always been this way? You know, I speak for myself. You know, no, I think it's been a uh, it's obviously been a learning process. I've been grateful to have the parents that I did because, you know, before we even knew the term of emotional intelligence, they were teaching me skills to be more socially and emotionally intelligent. They were teaching me critical thinking skills. They were teaching me, you know, how to have open conversations, something that we talk about in the book. And so from an early age, I felt like I was learning these things. It wasn't until, you know, I'm in college that I start to really learn about the term social and emotional intelligence. And now that my dad and I are doing what we're doing in our business, that's obviously become a huge component of my life and learning about it and, and implementing it in, in our lives. So, yeah. Mm, that's great. That's great. So, you know, you talk about, there's a chapter in there, conflict resolution. Like, cause most people, most people like conflicts, they, they don't, they, shy, they shy away from it. They don't like conflict. So how do you, come to that like even if it's needed how do you come up you know what's the uh how do you come about the uh conflict resolution how do you go about doing it and when when do you use it yeah yeah no that you know it's it's, it's interesting you know avery and i are um polar opposites when it comes to our personality and that's really one of the most interesting things about this journey that we've been on together as business partners, because I'm much more high strung than he is. Right. Um, you know, I grew up in Oakland, California. Uh, and, you know, it's I mean, growing up in Oakland, man, there's a lot of stuff going on, a lot of stuff going on around you. Um, a, a lot of things that you need to be you know, tapped into to make sure that, you know, you're in a good space and everything is cool and you're around the right people and all that. So I've always had that 
you know, that that tension, if you will, or that awareness just growing up in Oakland and just being, you know, having your head on a swivel all of the time. You know, Avery on the flip side, you know, he was born uh, here in Sacramento where, where, where we live now and, and grew up there. But he's got the personality of my wife, right? My wife and Avery are both, you know, very mellow, chilled souls that just take things as they come, don't get bent out of shape about a whole lot of things. Uh, and I tease at times, but I'm really telling the truth. I'm trying to be more like him, to be honest with you, right? I'm not a big confrontational person, but I'm also one to just not let things just, you know, fester and 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 go uh, unattended to. And so I've learned over time that it's not so much, you know, what you say during conflict. It's really how you go about saying, right? Are you are you using, you know, words like you or are you using words like I? when it comes to being able to, you know, get into a, a situation and find some resolution to it. And so, um, you know, through, through my over 50 years of living, you know, I have, I've had to learn, I brought up a few minutes ago, like somebody cuts you off in traffic. Like I was that dude at a time in my life, if you cut me off in traffic, then I'm just going to make my way up uh, in front of you and cut you off in traffic. Right. And this is unnecessary stuff that, you know, but it's just like, that's, <laughs> Like, you know, you know, how dare you do that to me type thing, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Whereas, whereas Avery, you know, could be in the car with me when he was younger. And he's just saying, like, dude, why are you even bothered by what other people are doing? Like, you know, it's not about what other people are doing. It's about what you're doing. So that, you know, it's it's just been it's just been a very interesting journey for me as as the senior, if you will, in terms of the business partner. I'm trying to be more like him because you can deal with conflict. You cannot ignore it, but you can also do it in a way that's healthy for, for you and healthy for other parties that are involved. Because at the end of the day, right, how you control and monitor your actions and, and, and your responses and your journey, you know, that's all that really matters. So that's what I'll say on that. Avery, you may have a completely different vibe on the on the conflict thing, but I, was I pretty accurate in describing where you and I are? Yeah, man. I mean, that's that's uh, the beauty of a family, and you know, learning about the traits and qualities that are passed on from generation to generation, and understanding as you know, junior in this situation, <laughs> what aspects of me are more related to my pops and what aspects of me are more related to my mom, you know? So yeah, you, you, you described it pretty well. Let me, let so, me add this one other, let me add this one other thing, Alex, you know, one of the, yeah. things, one of the things that Avery and I um, talk about when we're dealing with um, families, we work with a lot of nonprofit organizations um, that bring us in to talk about, um, family relationships, but then again, we work with with corporations that bring us in to talk about relationships in the workplace. And one of the things that that Avery and I um, always talk about when we're talking about families, I, I think this is important for you know for your audience out there listening to the podcast is that you know generational trauma is real, and mm -hmm. and uh, I, I I have yet to meet somebody 
uh, in my life, in my 50, I ain't going to say exactly how many years, but there's a, a, we're going towards 60 now. I've yet to, to, to meet somebody who really hasn't had generational trauma in their life. And um, I tell the story all the time about, you know, conflict with my father had with his father. Uh, and my grandfather, unfortunately, was uh, was abusive to my father uh, physically and verbally. Um, alcoholism ran, you know, in that side of the family. And my father really made a decision. I, I, I love him. I love him so much for this. And, you know, we lost him 13 years ago. But I love him so much for, you know, making the decision that he wasn't going to pass on that trauma, um, you know, to me and to my brother. Uh, and and deciding that if he ever had kids, that he would be the polar opposite of his dad. So that trauma, you know, would not continue. And so from a conflict perspective, you know, my father modeled some behavior for me on how it is that you just deal with people um, wherever they are. You know, you meet them where they are. Uh, and at the same time, how you have the the, the, the self-control uh, to be able to just be mindful of your actions and and how you proceed uh, in all situations, and so I just wanted to share that with you because you know I, I think a lot of conflict that we see out here is you know people have watched that conflict; it's been modeled for them, uh, and you know just depending on you know your circumstances and where you've grown up, that may be the only thing that you know, and so when they meet somebody that doesn't necessarily have that approach but can be respectful. Uh, in the midst of some sort of a disagreement, you you know, it tends to tamper situations down a little bit. And um, and so, again, my father just modeled that for me, and I'm truly blessed um, to have had a father like that. You know, that's 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 a game of luck. None of us know who we're – we have nothing to do with, you know, what family we're born into, you know what I mean? So um, yeah. I'm thankful for him for that. Yeah, I love that. Thanks for sharing. And – so with conflict resolution is, so one word that popped out to me when you was talking was respect. Is that like the biggest key when you're dealing with conflict, no matter if it's at home or at work or, or, or in the locker room? Is it respect? You know, I, 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 I use that word. I think that word is a, is a good word, um, Alex, to, to describe an important element of how we Resolve conversation. You know, it's funny. Um, I always talk about when when you're when you're involved in a situation, you know, whether it's heated or whether it's not heated, but something has to be dealt with. You know, timing is everything. And and I and I learned that as a father. I'll give you an illustr I'll illustrate that for you through a story um, with Avery when he was in the seventh grade. Um, up until that time. You know, this brother's grades were just outstanding. Never had any academic issues with him whatsoever. I mean, he, he was a smart kid. He was studious. You know, he liked, he liked studying. You know, he, his daddy wasn't a, a studious kid, but, but, uh, but Avery turned out to be a studious kid. Thank goodness for that. But the reality in the seventh grade, his grades just plummeted. And, um, you know, I was talking to him about it and saying, look, what's going on? And, you know, where we were having conversations about everything in the past, he was really shutting down on on this. And he couldn't really describe to me what was happening. And and I was getting frustrated. And it was to the point where you know, I knew I was causing conflict in our relationship when he was in the seventh grade. Because I'm like, like you know, you're, you're a dad, right? You know, it's just kind of like, yo, like, you know, 
something's going on, you gotta let me know. Is there something going on at school? Is we got some you got some conflict with some some of your peers? Is it the teacher situation? So I called my pops and I'm like, yo, we're really at this crossroads and 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 you know, I'm ready to just kind of like snap. And my father said to me, he said, Well, I'll tell you what the deal is if you want to know. And I'm like, absolutely. He said, you know, he can't talk to you or tell you anything about what's going on because he doesn't know. And I was like, okay, I hadn't even thought of, I never thought that he didn't know. And so my father said, what you have to understand right now as a parent, you need to be patient and you need to, you know, your timing needs to be better. Perhaps when you're stepping to him, you're doing it at the wrong time. And you know, he's not ready to discuss this yet, or he doesn't feel like you're giving him the room to be able to discuss this. So I just wanted to bring that up as an example that timing is a lot when it comes to dealing with conflict and with people, even in my relationship with my wife. I've been married to my to my queen for 32 years, right? And there are times, man, where I just miss the cues <laughs> or like this is not the right time to be trying to resolve this issue that's going well, it's on. It's not just so, me. You know, I, I wanted to share that with you. <laughs> so I think respect has a lot to do with it, but I also think that our timing uh, has a lot to do with it when we're dealing when we're dealing with things. That makes sense to you. Yeah, it does. Avery, let me ask you a question. So he said timing, right? Yeah. Also, does environment does that play a role? Like, if pops would you took you to a Sacramento Kings basketball game and then maybe ask you, hey, man, what's going on with the grades? <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, you know, that's that's another great point, man. And, and you're touching on something that is really applicable to our lives. Both my father and I are huge sports junkies, right? So, you know, when we get a chance to, we love going to a sporting event together or watching a game together. And absolutely, that makes a, a world of difference in terms of how receptive I was to a conversation uh, as opposed to, let's say, when my dad was my AAU basketball coach and we're driving home from the basketball game and he's still uh -oh. trying to coach me uh -oh. along the way. You know, uh -oh. you know so... So in that situation where now I'm trapped in the car, I'm at the will of my dad, you know, driving us home and, you know, he can take as many detours as he wants. As long as and he, he still ain't picking up on any cues. <laughs> None. None. Except this brother practicing his ignoring skills and out the window when I'm talking, right? <laughs> Man, <laughs> man. <laughs> so, oh, man. yeah, I mean, I would definitely say, you know, environment uh, has a big part to do with it. And, you know, if you can if you can place yourself in environments that are conducive for, you know, uh, more positive reception, you should absolutely do that. You know, it's not always possible, but, you know, that's part of the intentionality that comes with conflict man management conflict resolution i love that man this is great 
So, you know, talk about like setting the expectations. So setting expectations. When should we set expectations? Yeah. Mm. <laughs> well, well listen, don't, no, I'll let you go, Pops, after I say, you know, I don't know if there's a one size fits all time for when, but I tell you, my dad did not waste any time when it came to setting expectations, you know? So, so for a, from a personal standpoint, I felt like, you know, pretty early on, it, I don't think, you know, I wouldn't say that things were like drastic, but you know, when it came to chores, when it came to showing me how to, you know, be a team member in the family, that's something that, you know, there's another sports analogy there, right? Like when our family would, you know, sit down to have dinner, Early on, I remember my parents, you know, showing me how to set the table for the family or, you know, when it came to doing other chores, like cleaning up the room or uh, doing laundry. You know, I tell a story. My mom was showing me how to do laundry by the time I was like seven because she wasn't trying to do my laundry anymore. Right. Like just things like that, that I felt like, you know, it gave me a lot of responsibility as a kid. But the expectation was also there underlying. It was like, no, you you could do things on your own. You could, you know, you could stand on your. They were building me up so I could stand on my own two feet. You know, when that time came. So that's why that's why expectations were so you know impactful for me. But I didn't want to steal your thunder, pops. You know, I know you were going to say something. <laughs> no, I, I, you know, Alex, you know, in terms of expectations, you know, for my kids from me and from my wife, we wanted to start very early on with them because we were trying to get them prepared for the time that they needed to stand on their own two feet uh, and, and you know, go out into this world and do their thing. And from an expectation standpoint, you know, I, I, I probably, in retrospect, I was probably a little bit over the top uh, for him because, you know, his friends didn't have the same expectations that I was putting on him. And at the end of the day, what he understands now that he didn't really understand then is, you know, when I became a parent, I wanted my kids to look into the mirror and love the person that they saw. I wanted them to look into the mirror and understand that it was going to take, you know, hard work to be successful in life. I wanted them to have this drive to achieve, but I also wanted them to be acutely aware that they belong in any room that they, that they enter. And because of that, you know, the expectations that I set for them, um, you know, were kind of lofty, um, but also fair. And here's what I mean by that. I have two sons. Avery's younger brother is two years younger than he is. Avery was always an athlete growing up. Um, basketball, football, he played football for six, seven years, played basketball for eight years, I was his AAU travel ball coach for five of those years, you know, so he was always an outstanding athlete. My other son, who was more athletic than Avery, couldn't stand sports, but he's an artist, right? So, you know, the expectations are different for different kids. They have different personalities. Avery was outstanding, as I mentioned, an outstanding student in math, always had been. My youngest son, could care less about math, but you know, that brother could pick up an instrument and do his thing. So I didn't have the same expectations academically in the area of math for my younger son, Justin, 
that I have for Avery because, you know, I knew where his strengths and his weaknesses were. And so I just think that we have to, you know, when we set expectations in whatever relationship we have, we're obviously talking in this moment about, you know, the parent-child situation, but that's expectations, you know, in, in our relationships, you know, in the workplace, right? You just, you got to, there are different expectations for different people. Job objectives could be the same. You know, uh, outcomes maybe need to be the same, but people can get there in different ways. And I think that we have to be able to understand that that's a big part of it. Mm, love that. Love that. Tell me, what is something that like all parents, you know, when they're, when they're having children and whether they're athletes or not, what is something that they should know? when they're trying to raise up the, the best, the best human that they can in their house? You know, I, uh, well, a couple of things. I, again, I go back to this, um, this concept of having open conversations, you know, and I, I'll let Avery touch on this a little bit. Cause I think it's, I think it's a little more potent coming from uh, a young person. Uh, Avery's 26 years old. And, and I'll let him talk about, uh, open conversations and the, the peer pressure that young kids or the things that they're facing today that me and you didn't face when we were growing up because we didn't have um you know social media platforms we didn't have um you know the instant gratification of having the device you know in our fingertips and doing stuff you know we were you know i i can't speak for your upbringing but i know my mother was just like get out the house right we had yep. to go outside and create our fun now fun comes into the house for young people, right? So they don't, you know, we had to, you know, we had to be creative and use our imagination when it came to, to, to some fun. So I just believe that the open conversation uh, aspect is real because, and Avery says this, and I love, I love, I love him for, for pointing this out to parents. He's, he would always tell parents, like, you got to take interest in what your kids are doing and meet them where they are. If they're on TikTok or these other platforms that, let's be candid, you're, you're allowing them to be on those things, right? Because, you know, your rules are your rules. So if you're allowing that, then you also need to make sure that, you know, that you're, you're connected to them and letting them know, hey, I'm interested in what it is that you're doing. Show me this or show me how. But, Avery, if you want to just run with that a little bit on the, you know, from the standpoint of, what kids are facing and why it's important for parents to be, you know, connected in different ways than perhaps even I was with you growing up. Yeah. Um, I mean, to piggyback on what you were saying, Pops, uh, I think, you know, kids, kids need that sense of community, right? And people need that sense of community, but especially kids. And that's oftentimes the attraction of social media is it builds that sense of community, right? Like it gives people a place where they feel like they can connect with others, you know, on like-minded issues or topics or things like that. And, you know, what, what I say is as much as I love social media and have grown up on social media, I tell parents all the time that, you know, there's a lot of negativity that's circulating those social media feeds. And if those parents aren't in tune with that, then they might not understand what their youngsters are seeing. And they might not understand how their youngsters are being affected by that. 
and I tell parents and I tell families and audiences, you know, I was that type of kid that for some time, you know, I didn't always go to my parents when I saw something that maybe gave me questions or made me curious about something, right? So, so taking an interest in that stuff is another, another level of building trust between the relationship. Right. And that's what will allow a, a child to feel like they're welcome to open up, you know. So the thing about the five keys in the book that we wrote is they are really all interconnected. Right. And mm-hmm. and it is a roadmap. And if you visualize a roadmap, like you're going from one spot to another, you're, you're crossing destinations. Right. Or checkpoints or thresholds. And it doesn't always have to go in that sequential order, but the point is they are connected to each other. And so, you know, the open conversations helps build the trust, right? But the expectations need to be there in order for, you know, those those open conversations to feel welcome, right? If there's an mm-hmm. expectation that you can't come to us, that we're going to have conversations, you know, then it helps build the trust. Same with conflict management, like those things help alleviate conflict when that conflict arises and social and emotional intelligence is woven in between all of it. So, yeah, you know, that's, that's kind of what I was, yeah, that'd be my advice to parents. Too. I love it. I love it. How can my listeners and how can people get in touch with you guys? How can they get more of you guys? And, and how can they get that's to everything? Alex? <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> you put right ahead, son. Lay all that stuff out. <laughs> I mean, absolutely, man. Um, our website is is a, a prime spot to get to know us better. Uh, it's AveryandBrian.com, A-V-E-R-Y-A-N-D-B-R-I-A-N.com. And uh, on the website, you can learn more about us. Uh, you can see some of the work that we have done, you know, with a variety of organizations, whether it's nonprofits, for-profits, in the educational space. Um, we talk about the workshops that we produce, uh, the, the keynotes that we've given. Uh, we have resources on the page for people to, you know, uh, go on a journey or continue their journey of self-growth and discovery and development, things like that, man. So so we're all about connecting, right? Like, like, I, like my dad said, relationships are life and we want to connect with people. So you can connect with us that way. We're also on social medias. Um, we're on uh uh, Facebook, the Avery and Brian Experience, uh, on Instagram, Avery and Brian XP, uh, and we're also on LinkedIn. And I feel like a lot of your audience may be on LinkedIn as well. We really encourage people to go to our LinkedIn page because that is also a really good representation of who we are and and some of the resources and the products and the content that we produce. So, uh, on LinkedIn, it's the Avery and Brian Experience as well. Love it. And and I'm assuming on your website, people can go there and check out the book or is it an Amazon? What's, what's the... Oh, yeah. Okay. Definitely on the homepage. You can uh, go to the homepage of the website and the book is listed on, on the homepage. You got to scroll down a little bit, but it's also on Amazon. You know, and the title again is Love Wins, Five Keys to Strengthen Your Relationships, A Parent and Child Perspective. Um, and so you could go find that on Amazon right now. It's a great holiday purchase. Definitely check that out. And for anybody that you think may need it, 
um, or or if it's interesting to you, go absolutely go check that thing out because it's a really good read and uh, it's helpful. It's really helpful. We put we put a lot of energy into it, man. You know, we really wanted to make it uh, helpful for families. And when my dad stepped to me about doing a joint venture together, I said, look, I want to be an open book, you know, no pun intended, but I want us to be relatable to people. And I want us to talk about the highs and the lows and what we learn from each of them. So, yeah, man. Beautiful, man. Brian, Avery, thank you so much for being a guest on the, on the podcast. Um, I'm really excited to kind of dive into this and the principles that you guys talk about is is foundational and you know i think we can all i think we can all get better uh when it comes to relationships because um that when i look back at my life both professionally playing professional football and look at some of the things i've been doing um over the past couple of years with my coaching and speaking that none of it could happen without uh number one my character and improving that but then also relationships so Thank you guys for, sh for shining a light on it with your book. Yo, what's up? So check this out. If you like today's episode, I want you to do a couple of things. Number one, I want you to subscribe to the show. And I want you to give it a rating. Five stars are dope. We love those. And then give it a review. And so I'm saying this not for selfish reasons, but it's to help us all out. The more ratings that we get and, and the more reviews that we get, the bigger, more impactful guests that I can get on the show. And so, you know, it's a win-win for everyone, but it starts with you giving a review, rating it and sharing it. All right. So if you can do that, we can all have a greater or make a better, greater impact. All right. So until next time, keep aligning assigning and adjusting to the person that you want to become. All right. So if you got some value from today's episode and you're looking for the next step, well, here it is. I want you to su subscribe to our Facebook group. It's called the Shark Effect Group. And when you get in, you'll be linked up with some other former elite level athletes. And they'll be there sharing some actionable steps and advice to get you to where you want to go because they are there. They are where you want to go. Uh, they're fighting to get further. And so you can get some, some value from just joining a group and it's free. So you don't have to worry about anything like that, about paying. But I suggest if you're looking for the next steps to get to where you want to go and have a life of impact and purpose, because you are set apart. Former elite level athletes, you are different. And you need to be able to learn how to use your influence to benefit you. So I want you to go over to the Facebook group and join it and join it today. It's here. Finally, my book, The Ultimate Playbook for Higher Achievement. You can get it on Amazon in the uh, paper paperback version or you can get it on Kindle. And who this book is an in, intentionally created for it's for those who are looking to transition, whether you was an athlete or an executive or a successful entrepreneur or whatever. If you're looking to transition into something different, this book can help you. I break it down. I lay down the foundation of who you want to be. I have a chapter in there 
that breaks down and boils down leadership, which is influence. And you got to understand these 10 influencers that can help you with decision making, that can help you with influencing others. And how are you influenced? I have chapters in there that really breaks down my system of assignment, alignment, and adjustment. Um, recognizing the power of your environments is a chapter. Developing your own procedures, creating relationship roadmaps, using adversity to your advantage, right? Because we all go through tough times, but how do you flip it? How do you use it to power you, okay? And then developing your own standards. So these are things that can help anybody, not just, not just athletes. Now, there's some stories in there, you know, that covers topics that, that resonate with athletes, but I think overall, this book can help um, anyone who is looking to transition into becoming successful in something new, something different, okay? So make sure, check it out, Amazon, The Ultimate Playbook for High Achievement.